For WCYB Digital Radio, I'm David Browie. Joining me today is Trish Harding, an Australian woman who was the victim of a phishing email scam that took $154,000 from her, but there's a happy ending. Trish, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. Thanks, David. Nice to chat to you. Now, uh, you and your husband, uh, Peter, live on the Queensland Sunshine Coast, just up from Brisbane. Tell us a bit about yourself. Yes, we've retired up here. We were in Toowoomba. We've moved to Caloundra to enjoy a lifestyle here. And we play golf and we have four children. So grandchildren come visit here because we're on the beach. So it's, it's a great lifestyle. Sounds fantastic up there. I'll have to go check it out. The nice weather every day, right? Yes. But certainly stuff happens. It sounds like it was a move. You decided to sell your house a little while ago. And as people do, share some of the money with your children. Yes, we made a decision when we sold the house that it was a good time that, you know, they're all married with children. And we felt it was probably better for them to have the money when they could use it to pay off loans and things rather than maybe you know, getting an inheritance when we die. So we'd also given some of them some money along the way. So each of them, all debts were being settled, so to speak. And so they were getting different amounts, but everyone was getting a significant amount. So that can be a huge help in anyone's life. And certainly in Australia, the cost of houses has surged like it is all over the world. It really could be a really big thing for them. And I imagine that there was a lot of excitement about that happening. Yes, it certainly was. There was a lot of excitement when it was happening. And then there was a lot of angst when it all went wrong. Well, that's, of course, why we're here today. What happened? You started to organize the transfers of the money and it just went all very bad. Yeah, so basically, David, what happened was I emailed the children because we'd been talking about it for a while. And so I emailed them all saying that we were organized and I was ready to do the transfers. And could they email me and let me know the bank details that they wanted it to go into? So I received an email. The first one was from my daughter, Amy, and she said to put it into her Westpac account. And then probably about, I don't know, 20 minutes later than that, I got another one from her saying, oh, sorry, mum, could you put it into my Commonwealth account instead? So I thought, oh, yeah. But, you know, I just, I have to admit that when I got that one, I thought, oh, I'll check. So I clicked on the email address to make sure it was from her. And it looked like her email address, acbharding at gmail.com. I thought it was great. And uh, then I got one from my son saying, you know, they were very excited to get the money and could we transfer it into this account, da-da-da-da-da. My other two text me their details. They didn't email me. Well, I went to the bank to try and do the transfer, but the bank said, no, 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 we'll just up your limit so you can do that all on internet when you get home. So they wouldn't even do the transfer at the bank for me, which I was a little bit annoyed at. But anyway, so we did the transfers and then I sent them all text message to say, transfer's done, let me know when you get the money. And that's when it all started to go wrong because I think it was three days later, my daughter said to me, she still didn't have it. And I said, well, maybe Commonwealth takes a bit longer or something. And she said, no, no. I said to put it into my Westpac. I said, no, no, you sent me the second one second email to say put it into Commonwealth and she said no I never sent the second email. How is that minute when the penny drops and you say oh no? Oh oh, it was just horrible it was just devastating you just go that's not possible I've checked the email aim I checked it it was yours. Anyway she happened to be with me and she said no look at it and so we looked at it again and when we looked at it again the Harding H-A-R-D-I-N-G was spelled H-A-R-D-I-N-I-G so it looked, when you first glanced at it, it looked exactly the same. But when you really studied it, it had been intercepted. And so then, I, then of course, I looked at the next one and realised that that was exactly the same thing. But the wording of the first one from my son, Simon, they'd obviously intercepted the actual email because the wording was his actual wording and they'd just changed the bank details. 
So I imagine this set off a series of events, not the least of which is where's the money, but also how did this happen? How did you go about figuring out what had actually happened? Well, first off, I rang Westpac to say it's gone to the wrong people. And, you know, they were basically helpful saying, well, yes, we can see where it's gone, but it's gone from that account. Oh, no, they said it had gone to a Commonwealth account. So I rang Commonwealth and Commonwealth said, well, we can't tell you anything about it except to say that it has since gone from that account. Like it just went straight in and straight out. So as far as they were concerned, it was done and dusted. So I, at that stage, thought we'd lost it all. And so on further investigation, I started to try and work out how it was possible that someone had actually been able to get into my email. And that's when I realised that at some stage, I had had a notification from Westpac to say that my Altitude Rewards card had been part of a scam and that people had been able to access it. So when that happened, because I foolishly used the same password for that account as I did for my email account, they were able to access my email account. So that's how it happened. So we hear about these credential stuffing attacks all the time. Someone gets a hold of a password for that you might have used for some innocuous thing, yes. but if you use it for the same other thing, then suddenly they can get access to something that's very important. That's exactly what happened, David. So there's two parts really is one yes you have to be very careful with your passwords but the other thing to me was when I transferred the money the name of the account didn't match the account number so I still believe that banks are liable because surely the account name should match the account number now this happens in other countries but it doesn't happen in Australia yeah, they often tell people, oh, you know, you make sure the numbers are correct because we don't check the names. <laughs> exactly. Why bother having to put in a name at all? So that was a big issue. I believe that's something that Australia needs to change. It's definitely been floated out there that there's a need for reform. I mean, one of the big problems that Australia has had is that they've been trying to improve the efficiency of transfers. They put in a new electronic transfer system that makes money move very, very quickly. And transfers happen within seconds, which is great for legitimate uses. But when you get caught up in something like this, as you found out, the money moves from one bank to the next very quickly, and it's, it can be very, very hard to track it down. Yes. I don't know in the end whether Westpac tracked it all down, but I eventually got all the money back, which was wonderful for us. Well, that is a wonderful ending and not the usual one, definitely. I mean, it took a while, didn't it? And what did you do in the meantime? Because I understand it took a few months for that to happen. It did take a while. I continually spoke to the bank. I did inform them of the fact that although they notified me about the Altitude Reward scam, it was 18 months after the fact that they notified me. So it took them a long time to admit that that had happened. So I was unaware to change my passwords because I didn't know that that had been hacked. So I felt that they were partially to blame because they hadn't informed me in a timely manner. So at some stage they said that they would refund some of the money. Commonwealth Bank apparently were able to get back some of the money, so I got that lot back. And then I just continually spoke to Westpac and spoke to the Ombudsman and spoke to solicitors and eventually got it all back that way. I think in the end, Westpac got sick of me. <laughs> just keep bothering them until they give you your money back. It's a good strategy. <laughs> yes, the Australian Financial Complaints Authority were very helpful. Well, I know that this is not the only case similar to this that they're dealing with. This has become a very common problem. So if you escalate to the right places and maybe the sun is shining your way on the right day, clearly there's a potential for a good outcome, which must have been such a relief for you. 
It was. I mean, I think the other thing was that we had been Westpac customers for, you know, 30-something years. All our financials had been through them, all the business financials, all the loans, absolutely everything. So I think there has to be a loyalty factor too, and hopefully that also played on my side. I definitely would like to believe that, you know, you give your finances over to an organization and that they're going to be very proactive and act in good faith to try and help you protect that money and really step in when something like this happens, you know, due to really, that's been done to you. It's not really something you intentionally did or a fault that you really made on your own. And that's where I come back to the fact that if the account name and the account numbers were verified, it would never happen. And I mean, how many scams in Australia would that stop? There's so many millions of dollars that is scammed because the account names don't match the account numbers. It really is a very common thing, and uh, you'd think that the banks would have caught on to some method of making sure that this is checked and this is not going to be abused by scammers, but it seems to be happening all the time. You know, In this day and age, it's just not really good enough, is it? No, it's not, and I think probably the issue, one of the reasons they happened is because they're not losing the money. We're losing the money. It's the people who are making the transfers most often who lose the money, not the banks. So, of course, the degree to which they decide to help you is really up to them, isn't it? It's how badly do we not want to lose this customer? How much money is it? How many people have we got to chase that down? What are the chances of recovering it? They've got to make those decisions and decide what's really important. Yes, they have to make those decisions. And would it be easier to make the decision that the computer systems to have to match the account names to the account numbers? But surely that would be in the long term a much easier solution. Well, as they say, we can put a man on the moon. We should be able to match <laughs> bank statements and uh, account numbers and uh, account holders' names, right? You would think so, yes. You would like to believe so. Um, so you found out, uh, I mean, how long did it take before the money came back from the bank? So the scam happened in April, and I think it was probably October when it was all finalised. I mean, that's significant in itself because it's not only that you were harassing them until they, they basically got sick of you, as he said. <laughs> But they continued with it. They persisted for months and months. So it wasn't like your case just fell through the cracks and you never heard from them again. No, it was an ongoing investigation, yes. So that's got to be a good thing. At least it, it must have felt that they were at least trying to do something about it. Clearly, when they got in touch with you, how did they get in touch? What did they say? Oh, well, that's the other odd thing. On one particular occasion, I just received uh, $68,000 in my bank account. There was no email from Westpac. There was no phone call from Westpac. It just got landed in my bank account. And I thought, well, I suppose I'm now going to have to contact the bank to make sure this money is actually mine. Because that has happened as well, where people get very large <laughs> amounts of money deposited and they have no idea what's going on. So that would have been a pleasant but very strange experience. It was very, very odd. Yes. They did just say, look, that money has come back from another bank, so we've just transferred it back to you. Fantastic. Well, that would have been a great day for you. And clearly, that was not the only transfer that came back. $154,000 total? Yes. Yes, it was. It was wonderful. Yes. And of course, the other two children who had done the right thing and text their details to us rather than sending in an email were concerned, of course, that if the money didn't come back, then was their money going to actually have to be divided between the others? Oh, no. This would have played out in so many ways to in people's heads and discussions and because you had months to talk about it, I can imagine it was a stressor for everybody. It really takes people by surprise because you're just carrying on doing your normal things and then suddenly you, you know, your paths cross with someone that has malicious intentions and uh, things escalate from there and just thank goodness that it resolved in a good way at the end. Yes, and we were one of the lucky ones. And you know, I, I always thought I was relatively 
aware of scams and internet issues, hence why I did actually click on the email address to make sure it was from my daughter. But that's how easily you can also be tricked. Just one little letter changed and all of a sudden it looks as though it's the right email address. Yeah, they're very clever. These spoofing attacks, they will just do that. They sneak in even sometimes a letter which is in a different language but looks similar to the letter in your address. Or, you know, there's so many approaches that have been taken by scammers to really just slip under the radar so that people won't notice the little change that they've made. And unfortunately, they're deadly effective sometimes. Yes, I think it is, as you say, it's the little ones, little changes that are the ones that get you. Yes. So in the end, the money got to where it was meant to go. They didn't have to be split uh, four rows uh, from the two, uh, which would have made everybody happy. How did you go about making sure that the money the next time when you transferred it to them went to where it was supposed to do? What precautions did you take for that transfer? Uh, I spoke to them and just wrote down the details rather than using any other form. I felt that that was the safest way to do it. So I just spoke to each of the children and made sure I had the correct details before I did the transfers. Well, that is a common word of advice from cybersecurity authorities is that you just check with the person that you're dealing with whenever there's money involved, confirm the account details, make sure that you know who you're talking to, make sure that you're not just you know, following the instructions that have been sent to you without confirming those. And in this sort of situation, if you go and make those checks, as you learn the very hard way, you often find out that something isn't exactly as it's supposed to be. Yes, and that's it. Like if I'd rung my daughter after getting two emails then none of this would have happened. But that's hindsight, and it's very easy in hindsight. That's always the problem, but it's often a very expensive experience for people. So it's wonderful to hear that that resolved in your favor, Trish. It's great news and not always the case. So it's great, and you've been able to just get on with enjoying the life that you had planned and helping your kids the way that you wanted to. Yes, David, thank you. Trish, thanks so much for joining me today to share your story. Well, I just hope that it could help someone else. I think that's the only reason I'm willing to talk about it is because... Well, I felt so foolish at the time. I didn't want to talk to anyone about it. But now I realize that if I can just stop one other scam from happening, then it's better to talk about it. Well, it absolutely will. And hopefully someone who's listening today will think twice next time they're in a similar situation because they've learned from your experiences and it will save them down the track. Great. For WCYB Digital Radio, this is David Browie. I've been talking with Trish Harding, who lost $154,000 to email scammers, but managed to get it back months later.